Black owners in this game are powerful races. Young niggas in the set just doing it makeshift. Out the garage, that's how you end up in charge, that's how you end up in penthouses, end up in cars, that's how you start off a curve server, end up a boss, that's how you win the whole thing and lift up a cigar with sweat dripping down your face. Cause the mission was Welcome. I'm your host here, and you are tuned into Am I Pretty Enough as a Black Woman show, where we will be discussing difficult topics that might be tough to discuss. Today's topic is let's buy the block back, and I have a special guest with me. Hi, I'm Aisha. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So we were promised 40 acres and a mule. And some of us was fortunate to be granted this, but majority wasn't. We as black people have received the short end of the stick and have been in poverty since we freed ourselves from slavery. Now, we want what is ours, America. The late great Nipsey Hussle talked about buying the block back, and that is exactly what he did. It is important that we as black people pour into our neighborhoods so we don't have anybody coming in and dictating what they think is best for us, as we should have really made FUBU our motto, for us, by us, because it is important that we collectively understand culture capital and obtain generational wealth. So what does cultural capital mean to you? So when I think about cultural capital, I think about the dominant culture, and then I think about the cultures in which people are born into or subscribe to. Um, so when I think about the dominant culture, it's like being able to navigate through society in the ways that whatever dominant culture ideas. Okay, yeah. And um, for me, cultural capital just knowing what it is is just pretty much capitalizing society and be able to sustain the status within society right what class you belong to and how you capitalize within those classes mm-hmm. right um, within society and what what education background you have right starts with that um, and the higher education you have the, the more you've capitalized based upon what university you've gone gone to if you went to an Ivy League you've capitalized society um um, within education, you capitalize education um, within society. And then it goes to, you know, what type of job you have. So uh, if you have the best jobs within society based upon your education as well, because you can be a doctor and just because you are a lawyer and depending on what law school you went to, what medical school you went to can dictate um, if you're going to get the what pay you're going to get, what salary you're going to get, what hospital is going to hire you, because they look at that based upon if you went to a school that doesn't really hold any weight or any status. Um, and then it also goes into um, um um, the way you dress, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, language, um, how you navigate through society, um, what music you listen to. Um, and then also, you know, if you belong to any clubs, organizations, because in society, um, we are looked at based upon all those things and they, they group you into this certain, certain class, um, and if you don't know your stuff, then it's like, oh, no, you're probably low income. I feel that within us as black people, um, we have been known to just stay within lower class and we might move to middle class, not even upper middle. Right. And that's sad that people look at you and you could be rich and someone will look at you based upon what you wear and say, oh, no. But 
the the wealthy people don't actually show that they're wealthy. So how can you dictate based upon someone's outer appearance? Um, I met this lady and she owned two buildings in San Francisco. And she was saying that she drive this bucket right every day. Um, she wears like sweatsuits every day. Um, and she doesn't want anybody to know that she is wealthy. So she doesn't spend um, her money on things to make her look like she has money um, to fit into this this image that they paint of wealthy people. Um, and she was like, yeah, she was like, I live in a nice home. Um, she said, I own tons of real estate within the city, the peninsula um, that I rent out. Um, she was like, I have like a mediocre home that I stay in. It's just me. And I don't feel the need to spend my money on things that I'm not going to use that aren't beneficial. That's not going to obtain me more money. Mm-hmm. And that just that knowledge of yeah. that showed why she was wealthy. And I think that's something that people in different socioeconomic backgrounds like talk about like what are people having conversations about at the dinner table right okay why do you think many people black people to be specific or we can say pacific nah, <laughs> um, pacific doesn't know what culture capital is and do you think it is beneficial for us um i want to answer that last question first <clears throat> Whether it's beneficial for us, um, building cultural capital as we're talking about the dominant culture, I feel like if a person wants to be able to navigate this society, then absolutely you you get in where you fit in and you learn how to fit in. Mm-hmm. I think very much so like my my grandmother did on my my dad's side, like she studied culture very closely. Mm-hmm. And she I, I mean, I don't know. I, my grandmother grew up in North Richmond, you know, and back then, back in the day, it was a huge segregation between North and South Richmond. And it's like if you grew up in North Richmond, you was really poor. You grew up in South Richmond. You was pretty affluent. Um, to a certain degree. So my grandmother navigated her way out of the hood and built her some wealth. Now she, I mean, hey. Um, I also want to talk about this woman, Jean Ng, and her research. She did this research on um, studying different classrooms in New Jersey probably a couple of decades ago. Um, and she did this piece called From Social Class and the Hidden Curriculum of Work. Mm-hmm. She went to various different fifth grade classrooms to observe how these young people were learning and how these adults were teaching young people. So the first classroom she went to was um, one that was in a pretty low income neighborhood. Students were taught, sit down, shut up, be quiet, don't do this, do that, do this. Basically, they're learning to take orders. Right. Um, Students were in the um, lower middle class neighborhoods. They were taught to get the answers right. Right. Then you move up the socioeconomic ladder to the more affluent neighborhoods. Um, students were taught to be imaginative. That's the mm-hmm. that's the name of my business. <laughs> that's okay. Um, they were taught to use their imagination to be creative. Mm-hmm. And then she went to this affluent, actually this rich wealthy neighborhood where mm-hmm. these young people are going to top notch private schools Right, and um, one example that she gave was she watched the teacher tell a student like hey Timmy there are seven different ways to teach this 
math problem. I want you to choose five different ways to teach the class. And I want you to use your authority when you do it. Mm-hmm. And Gene Anion talked about how these young people were groomed to hold up and to sustain the status quo. Right. That these young people from poor neighborhoods were taught to be able to take orders. So they get these jobs where they're taking orders. You move up. Affluent or the lower middle class young people were taught to fix things. They right. become the plumbers, the janitors, etc. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the affluent neighborhoods, the middle upper class. They're taught to be creative, the architects, etc. Then you go to the affluent, the executive schools, um, the these wealthy schools. They're taught to be executives, right. and I think that in the capitalistic society, things need to um, stay in a particular order so that right. rich people can stay rich and poor people can exactly. stay poor. And you really said it, like private schools. Yeah, you know, if you go to a private school, you're destined to go to an Ivy League school. Right. That that's why I feel that. We don't really know what culture capital is because it's already we're already being capitalized <laughs> within society and to be placed in these different classes automatically. Yeah, and, and then when we get a little bit of money and we think we move it on up like the Jeffersons and then we get there and we don't know how to act or how to manage money. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing. Um mm. They're, they're taught to manage their money or invest their money. Right. Right. They, they will invest their last dollar into something that they think will make them billions of bucks Absolutely. later down the line. We're yeah. not taught that. Mm-hmm. We're not taught. I, I'll never forget um, my stepmom telling me, she always told me this because John was the type, don't get me wrong, he saved enough, but he was the type that um, he always say, it's cool. I'll make it back to next week. Mm. That part. Mm-hmm. But she was always like, Tier, if you get a dollar, put 50 cents up. If you get $20, put 10 up. She was just, she was just in her mind, like, I'm going to save. Save, 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 so that you never feel that a rainy day comes and you don't have nothing. Right. And... I'm learning now that there's a difference between saving and investing. investing. Exactly. Right? You can save, 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 exactly. save. $100 a month, but you only got 1200 by the end of the year. Exactly. But you invest into something. Right. How do you think we as black people collect- collectively will be able to obtain generational wealth? Mm-hmm. Because um, the real BB Judy on Instagram, she is the CEO of Kaleidoscope's products, um, and she is the one that is known for the Miracle Drops. Um, she has literally been going around the the United States, tor- motivating people to really start a business. If you have a passion, start a business, and. She literally said how she, um, her best friend is uh, Supa, and she is uh, the CEO of the Crayon Case. She obtained enough money from her social platform, from getting paid from social media, and created a business. She literally, on Black Friday, obtained $1 million within 15 minutes, or an hour, or something like that. $1 million. And she literally says, like... Don't just, you know, if you invest 5000 or whatever in your business, whatever you get back, you put that all back into your business. Right. Because then 
you'll be able to create more. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really talks about mentoring and obtaining generational wealth and buying buildings, right. property, mm-hmm. real estate, so that she can be able to help people to be able to obtain generational wealth because the, we all can do it. And she right. literally is wanting to give back the knowledge that she has in her brain and how she became successful and be able to mentor other people, not just potential people, but she feels that everybody has potential. Nipsey Hussle talked about the survival mode. Yeah. Um, when you grow up in a certain area and all you see is this, and then you wonder why we have so many people on the corner slinging dope, yeah. right? Or, you know, they, they, they selling weed to the, to the kids, mm-hmm. right? There's a survival mode. Yeah. And Nipsey literally says like, um, before you know, before I was able to obtain this, I was still in survival mode. I was just surviving for the next day, yeah. just collecting the dollars, saving my dollars, and then once I was able to save enough, I was able to then now think, what can I do with my money to now make more money? So then I don't have to go back to slanging on the corner. Yeah. How can I? How can I make multiply my dollars? Mm-hmm. And then, then that gave him the space in the head to now go back to his morals, his ethnics, and things that he believed in. Right. While before he had to just go and survive, yeah. he was like. Sometimes he was like, literally, all you see is this person. But yeah, we all have morals. We all have ethics. We all have beliefs. We all have things that we want to do. But sometimes this is all we can do to right. survive. So when you look at me as just a black man that's on the corner, you know, whatever selling drugs or you know I didn't went to jail because of this that's not that's not what makes me as a person but once I'm able to get out of this survival mm-hmm. mode and then be able to think clearly mm-hmm. and then it's like okay all the things that I actually do believe in and do and um you know all my morals and ethics and things that I actually believe in comes back into play yeah. and then now I'm able to think clearly more rational about my decisions when do we get out of survival mode uh, when do we tap into cultural capital obtain generational wealth and actually think about um working like like the chinese um, there is definitely um a future for us to gain culture, capital, and generational wealth, and I think that we are tapping into it. This mm-hmm. this generation coming behind us, I feel that they are definitely um, learning how to capitalize on different things that we didn't have, like social media, yeah, um, and and gaining, you know, um, um, becoming valuable for them to gain money and be able to literally do nothing and sleep and have a few dollars just for someone liking their posts. So, and people don't yeah. know that, you know, that you gain enough followers, every like can get you a dollar. So, yeah. um, that's another thing. Um, so I just want to say thank you for discussing this topic with me. Um, do you have anything else to say? I'm just so thankful. Also, um, I think... I think it's all about going far together. And I think we we just have to have enough faith in ourselves and each other and to continue to give ourselves affirmations, affirmations, create the outcome that you want to see. You think it, believe it, you receive it. Think it, believe it, receive it. And it will happen. It will happen. I think it's all about us really doing the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual work. The spiritual work that we have to do as individuals. And I feel there's a wave of an awakening coming, especially now we're in the age of Aquarius. There's so much opportunity for us to create the outcomes that we want to see. 
All right. So as the late Maya Angelou once said, I'm a woman phenomenally. Thank you for listening. Um, Follow us on social media at NAB Foundation. Thank you.